Yes, people. It is another episode of Echo Chamber coming right at you. And we're going to start looking at the top 10 films streaming in the UK right now. At number 10 is Dan Scanlon's Onward. At number 9, we've got Donna Michael Paul's Tremors. Shrieker Island? Hmm. At number eight, we got Ryan Johnson's Star Wars The Last Jedi. So, at number seven, we've got Yarrow Chini and Mike and Scott Moose's The Grinch. At number six this week, people, it's Sam Mendes' 1917. So now we're in the top five. And at number five is Frozen 2 from Jennifer Lee and Chris Buck. At number four, it's uh, Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead. So that means at number three this week, people, we have got Last Christmas from Paul Feig. At number two, it's a classic, John Favreau's Elf, which means the number one streaming film in the UK right now. It is a Nikki Caro's live action Mulan. So people, before we get into this week's films, let's listen to a little bit of information, okay? Alright, let's go. Okay people, Sheffield Dockfest is ending their year in a big way. From Friday 13th, Sheffield Dockfest will present its fourth and final program for its 2020 festival, Ghosts and Apparitions. Ghosts and Apparitions encompasses films and artworks, each part of Dockfest 2020 official selection and all presented online Friday the 13th of November until Thursday the 26th of November. Since the first glimpses of the moving image, ghosts were haunting our imaginations, including those yet to be. A ghost from then meets a ghost from now. Histories and collective memory are born. And cinema, the dismantling of frontiers. Films of all lengths, artists, video... Audio and XR performances will all feature across the Ghosts and Apparition film program and arts program, each experimenting with form and expanding the boundaries of what documentary can be. The program combined involved 13 films and artworks representing nine spoken languages and spanning 12 countries around the world, Argentina, Canada, Chile, Czech Republic, France, Israel, Netherlands, Spain, Taiwan, Thailand, UK and USA. 
filmmakers and artists include, among others, Orit Ashery, an Israeli uh, Jarman Award-winning interdisciplinary artist based in the UK and an alumni of Sheffield Hallam University, Sophia Bordowitz, an award-winning Canadian filmmaker, and Paola Albuquerque, an experimental Portuguese filmmaker and scholar based in the Netherlands, Keegan, um, the UK and Germany-based collective, will present a live interactive experience from a virtual world on Saturday the 14th of November. The film programme will be available online to all UK-based public at Sheffield Dockfest Selects and internationally via Dock Player from 5pm on the 13th of November until 23.59 on the 26th of November. Select titles are also available to watch via Mobi, um, one of the DocFest program partners. The arts program will be available online for audiences internationally and free of charge via the Sheffield DocFest website. Um, from the same times, you know, which is always a good thing. Uh, an old question for humans is how can we make visible what is invisible? Sometimes only um, semantic, sometimes a faded memory, sometimes just a dream. In our film program, transitional processes are present. And relevant from forgetfulness to remembrance, from past into present, from the individual into the collective realms, the buried memory of civil war in Spain, present in spaces and objects in deep waters, recollections of childhood and the processes of transformation of the city of Taipei in the tunnel. All that is forgotten in an instant builds an intricate, passionate journey between words, translations and political landscapes. And truth or consequences brings to life the ghosts, desires and fragilities that haunt a community and build their resistance. Resistant vision of life. Love and death are two of the most fundamental and universal realms of human existence. And cinema has been one of their most loyal storytellers. Loss of our loved one and the quest for meaning in dissolution in man and more. The, the effort to understand and realise loss... As a challenge for making a film in point and line to plane. Ghost and Apparitions is also about experimenting with cinematic forms and narratives. And questioning what documentary can be. 
Firm is a voyage outside the anthropophic perspective over landscape and nature. So, people, all of this, you know what I mean? It starts on Friday the 13th. So, you know, tomorrow, okay? So, go to the information of the episode and you will be able to find um, how to access and everything like that. All right, enjoy. Cronenberg fans, you are in for a treat because Shudder, AMC Network's premier service for horror, thriller and supernatural announced today that is teamed up with award-winning production company Shaftesbury to make a new eight-episode installment of the hugely popular horror series Slasher. Hailed by bloody disgusting as top-notch horror storytelling, Slasher Flesh and Blood will stream exclusively, exclusively on horror platform Shudder in the US, Australia and New Zealand in 2021. Shudder will also be streaming Home for Flesh and Blood in Canada, the UK and Ireland following its linear premieres in those countries. The series will be broadcast exclusively on Hollywood Suite in Canada. Production is underway now in Ontario, Canada. Slasher Flesh and Blood follows a wealthy but dysfunctional family gathering for a reunion on a secluded island. Their old wounds and competitive rivalries flare up when the family realises a masked killer is on the island, intent on a cruelly picking them off one by one. As with the past instalments of the series, Slasher Flesh and Blood will combine elements of traditional murder mystery with intense horror and bold kills that audiences have come to expect. Canadian horror legend David Cronenberg has joined the cast for the new season, which will also continue Slash's trend of bringing back cast members in new roles. Returning from previous seasons are Paula Brancati, Jefferson Brown, Patrice Goodman, Sabrina Gedrich, and Christopher Jackett. New faces this year include Rachel Crawford, Janine Goosen, Sidney Meyer, and Alex Orzez. Slasher is clever, bloody, scary, and fun, and adding David Cronenberg to the mix will take this new installment of the series to the next level, says Craig Engler, Shudder's general manager. We couldn't be more excited to work with Aaron Martin and the team over at Shaftesbury to bring the slasher flesh and blood to Shudder members. 
We are so thrilled that Slasher will be brought back to life on Shudder, said Shaftesbury chairman and CEO Christina Jennings. We know the fans of the show weren't ready to say goodbye, so we are eager to bring them the goriest, scariest chapter of this anthology yet. Hmm, not bad, right, people? The Slasher series over-delivers on good old-fashioned gore, horror and fun with fast pacing and exceptional casting, said David Kind's President Hollywood Suite. We are very excited to throw our support behind the series and resurrect it for another bone-chilling season. So you can follow the production via Slasher's social media channels. They're on Facebook as Slasher TV, Twitter as Slasher Series, and Instagram as Slasher TV Official. So, something new to look forward to, people. Horror fans, the year may be coming to a close, but there is still plenty to look forward to. Shudder is closing out its record-breaking year with holiday specials from two of their most popular series, exclusive new supernatural chillers, massive new collections focused on holiday horrors, and Galio, and so much more people. Okay, so the December highlights, well, a, um, a Shudder special will be Joe Bob Saves Christmas. Um, it's the Christmas spirit takes over the last drive-in as Joe Bob and Darcy close out the year with a double feature of holiday horrors. Premieres live on the Shudder TV feed Friday, December the 11th and will be made available on demand on Sunday, December the 13th. You've also got a Creeps Show holiday special. In the holiday-themed hour-long special, Shapeshifters Anonymous, featuring fearing he is a murderer, an anxious man searches for answers for his unique condition from an unusual support group. It's starring Anna Camp and Adam Pally. The special is written and directed by Creep Show showrunner Greg Nicotero, based on a short story by J.A. Conrath. Okay, so that hits Shudder on the 18th of December. Okay, so they are also having some, you know, original um, exclusive movies. So there is Anything for Jackson. On the 3rd of December, after losing their only grandson in a car accident, grief-stricken Audrey and Henry, a doctor, kidnap his pregnant patient with the intentions of performing a reverse exorcism, putting Jackson inside her unborn child. It doesn't take long to figure out Jackson isn't the only ghost the grandparents invited 
onto their home. Now it's a race against time for the couple as well as the pregnant woman to figure out a way out of the haunting they've set upon themselves. Oh my god (laughs) Consider this wintry anti-nativity tale Shudder's Christmas counter-programming From a writer and director Who together have made a bevy of traditional holiday movies That's Keith Cooper and Justin G. Dyke Um, Believe me, this ain't a baby in a manger or Christmas with a prince It's starring Sheila McCarthy, Julian Rickings, Constina Mantelewis, Josh Crudas and Yannick Bison And it does sound a little scary Okay, so on the 17th of December You also will be getting The Pale Door So the Daunton gang find shelter in a seemingly uninhabited ghost town After a train robbery goes south Seeking help for their wounded leader They are surprised to stumble upon a welcoming brothel in the town square But the beautiful women who greet them are actually a coven of witches With very sinister plans for the unsuspecting outlaws And a battle between good and evil is just beginning It's starring Devon Druid, Zachary Kington, Bill Sage, Pat Healy, Natasha Bassett, Stan Shaw, Melora Walters And it's directed by Aaron B. Kuntz um, Who... Directed um, some of Scare Package Which, um, you know, we spoke about earlier in the year Okay, so you're also getting new series Alright, so season 2 of Ellie Roof's History of Horror That will be hitting the platform on the 10th of December Um, There will be new collections as well uh, so you've got the Holy Galley Christmas Okay, so slip on your black gloves And deck the halls with bloody murder Italian style As Shudder debuts its biggest ever collection of Gallio cinema Both classic and modern With films by Dario Argenta Lucia Fulci Laberetto Bava Michelle Savi, Sergio Martino, and many, many more. Okay, so it will be featuring A Blade in the Dark, Death Laid an Egg, Black Belly of the Tarantula, The Case of the Bloody Iris, The Corruption of Chris Miller, The Editor, The Fifth Chord, New York Ripper, The Night Evelyn Came Out of the Grave, the Red Queen Kills, Seven Times, Short Night of Glass Dolls, Stage Fright, Torso, Trauma, Your Vice is a Locked Room, and What Have You Done to Salange? Woo! Man! And, um, yeah, it will be coming on the second. Okay, so, uh, yeah, 
Not bad, a eh, people? Not bad at all. But there's also other new films. All right, so you've got Blood Beat, which, um, I mean, well, that comes on the 30th of November, but we'll still count it. All right. So that's a young woman travels to rural Wisconsin to meet her boyfriend's family and a samurai spirit warrior spirit possesses her body to go on a bloody killing spree. <sighs> Starring Helen Benton, Terry Brown, Dana Day. Um, you've also got the body. Okay, so a darkly funny and twisted journey taking place entirely on one forgettable Christmas Eve. Body revolves around a trio of college co-eds whose dalliance with breaking and entering goes horribly awry. Following a freak accident, the girls find themselves entangled in a Hitchcockian nightmare, steeped in tension, suspicion, double-crossing and murder. Where no one is to be trusted and a new twist lies around every corner. From the team behind this year's Villains, it's starring Helen Rogers, Alexander Toshkran, Lauren Molina, Larry Fresden, um, and it's directed by Dan Burke and Robert Olson. Okay, so you've got Rape Rare Experts, uh, directed by Jalmari Halenda. In this darkly comic gem, it's Christmas Eve in northern Finland, and an archaeological dig has just unearthed Santa Claus. But this Santa isn't one you want coming to town. When local children begin disappearing, Pieteri and his father capture the mythological being and attempt to sell Santa to the corporation sponsoring the dig. Hmm. So yeah, plenty to look forward to, and there's plenty more people, you know. Classic films like The Lost Boys, Bran Stoker's Dracula. Ha <laughs> ha! If you haven't got Shudder, you might wanna go pick it up now. Film Festival fans, you are definitely still in luck because this year's UK Film Festival London will take place online from the 22nd to the 29th of November and will offer UK and worldwide audiences a unique chance to catch the latest award-winning short films in the comfort of their own homes. The program also includes an innovative selection of features by established and up-and-coming directors, as well as cutting-edge documentaries and animation films. The 2020 edition has once again been curated twice by twice Berlinale winning director Petros Silvertros. The feature film highlight of the 2020 edition stars Vinnie Jones, Malcolm McDowell and Ron Perlman in the exciting character-driven thriller The Big Ugly by Scott Whipper. 
in which London mob bosses invest in a West Virginia oil deal in the hope of laundering dirty money, causing mayhem to Anglo-American relations. The shorts lineup includes The Present, directed by Farah Nablusi, an entry from Palestine which won an award at the 2020 Clermont Ferrand Short Film Festival. Others not to be missed include The Hilarious On the Boat by Bizak Mamatiliv and Irene Maury's Sensitive and Haunting Watermelon Juice from Catizan and Spain, respectively. Another feature film highlight is the UK premiere of Yon Lu by Horik Monteri from Brazil, which won the Critics Award at this year's Sao Paulo International Film Festival. Two moving documentary features not to be missed reflect on ethnic cleansing and forced migration in the 1940s. Zahel's House by Gabriel Greer about the return of a woman to an area of Turkey where her grandparents' generation had suffered slaughter and deportation and the cannibals' voices from 1944, a Danish entry by Chechen filmmaker Zule Magazivev which weaves the fate of her own family into the story of Stalin's deportation of Chechens to Central Asia. Once again, the festival is delighted to offer candidates awards in various categories. So, for um, the full programme, you can just go to their website, which is um, in the information details of this episode, but it's um, ukfilmfestival.com. Okay, so then just go to the festival program tab. And um, to be able to, uh, you know, watch films, attend, an online festival pass is £9. £9. Just think how cheap that is, right? And um, short film screening blocks and feature film tickets are priced between £3 and £4.50, you know, which is uh, a bargain, you know what I mean? So, listen, last year's festival was great. There was some fantastic films. Um and I believe that there was a documentary on um, cows, and that has just won a big award with uh, BAFTA. So, listen, the films that you will see here are top-rated shorts and features. So, you do not want to miss this, people. Okay, so it is between the 22nd and 29th of November Right, so just round the corner, this year's UK Film Festival London. Do not miss it.
Okay, so now we've got all of that out of the way, people. Let's get into this week's films, okay? All right, buckle up. Oh, gosh. Late night can do terrible things to you, people. It really can. <laughs> so I ended up watching um, Midnight at the Mangolia. So this is the new film from director Max McGuire. It is written by um, Carly, Carly Smal. Um, it's produced by Hayden Baptiste. Um, executive produced by Andrew C. Erin, Matty Felborn, Marley Reed, Marina C. Wunsch, and Arnie Zipersky. Music is Adam Damelene, cinematography Jonathan Kishel. Okay, um, and the film stars Natalie Hall as Maggie Quinn. Evan Williams as Jack Russo. Um, we've got Alison Brooks as Deb Clarkson, their boss. Uh, you got Steve Kaimin as Steve Quinn, Maggie's dad. Um, yes, yeah, Susan Hammond as Bev Russo. Jack's mum, uh, Michael Gordon Shaw as Martin Russo, yeah, Jack's dad, um, that's kind of, they're the main ones, right, and, um, yeah, essentially, people, the film is, uh, Maggie and Jack are childhood family friends, and now as adults give dating advice together on their popular local radio show. When they find out their show is being shopped around for national syndication, their boss encourages them to introduce their significant others to their families for a live on-air New Year's Eve special. <sighs> Knowing their father's local jazz club, the Magnolia, is struggling financially, Maggie and Jack agree to the special as long as it's hosted at the club. But when Maggie and Jack are both dumped before the big event, Jack suggests they pretend to be a couple, surprise their listeners with the news during a midnight kiss on New Year's Eve. Yeah, I mean, that's the, the plot's a little bit mixed up there, you know? Because we essentially start with them talking to people on the radio and then they're like, oh, how's your boyfriend? Oh, how's your girlfriend? And like, oh, and then it gets into this whole thing about, oh, are you going to introduce them to the family on New Year's Eve and all of that kind of thing? And this whole... <sighs> Yeah, this whole thing about, oh, when is it too early to introduce your partner to, and when do you bring, and it all becomes a little contrived, right? There's, you know, oh, let's have calls for the, from the audience, and people bring in, hey, I introduced my family the first week I met her, 
Oh, why did you do that? Well, when you know, you just know, right? You know, it's all a bit like that. Which is like, oh, okay, okay, we get it. And I think, look, like, films like this, they're fine. You know what I mean? It's got that certain audience, right? They're very sappy. They're very, uh, you know, played out, as it were. I think an issue with this is just they really want to hit every single cliché. Like, every single one. And then you've got the whole... um, Like, the whole situation, right? Because it doesn't make any sense whatsoever, right? Kind of, you know, what are you doing with this? Like, what's the significance? I think this film probably would have worked, I don't know, like, 15 years ago, right? But... Seeing as podcasts are huge, you know, you, you kind of, and everyone knows, radio isn't what it used to be, right? A lot of stations have dropped some of their big talent because it's just like, oh, why are we paying them all this money? You know what I mean? And then people going off and then just doing the same thing now as podcasts. So he gives himself more freedom and stuff like this. So this whole, oh, we've got to um, do this stuff to try and, you know, get listenership and stuff like that. You're just like, wait, who's fighting like that now? And, oh, like, wouldn't you just put it online? Wouldn't you? Like, there's so many things. It's just like, what? And then the whole nightclub thing. Like. Well, how are you promoting this? You know, it's, it's just like, oh, usually it's just word of mouth. And it's just like, wait, what? It's all weird. <laughs> you know, like it, it's so odd just as a concept, right? Just as a concept as these two on the radio. And it's just the whole fake radio voice and this whole played out weird thing. You know, it's just like, what? Then you've got people, like, no one's communicating, right? That's the weird thing. Like, no one's communicating. Like, no one's saying, well, this is how I feel, or this is this. And it's just like, oh, well, he should know, and she should know. And it's just, oh, my days. Like, Idiots will watch this film, right, and think, oh, so if I just do this, then someone's going to think, oh, that they, you mean, that indicates that I like them, and blah, blah. And it's just like, obviously, right, it doesn't have to be spot on real life, but just a modicum, just a modicum of a realistic interaction or, you know, realistic prompts 
and signs of affection would have been good. You know what I mean? Like you've got our, um, you know, our main characters here, right? Our Maggie and Jack, who never have a single thing out of place throughout. You know, it, it's always this weird thing. Like, there's a point when he he knocks at her house, and it's not even late, right? And she's like, oh, I've just got out of bed, Jack. You're late. And it's just like, wait, at least give her ruffled hair. At least make it look. But it's, you know, it, it's so well crafted all the way through that you just like I don't believe it right you don't believe that these two are in love like there's no chemistry there's just no chemistry like there's no chemistry between the families that's one of the most insane thing do you read like there's a family meal and you're just like wait you're all related there's just nothing here it just feels like you're just saying words to each other what and like just these cookie cutter lines that everyone is spewing like there's this one kind of interaction between maggie and her dad and it's just like oh dad tell me how did you know mum was the one and then he tells this story about cobwebs. And then at the end, you just have him going, He ran through cobwebs. He ran through cobwebs. And you're just like, oh, no, they did it. They went and did it. Oh, it's just, it's, it's just contrived, right? I mean, that's the problem with this. You know, the performances aren't believable. Like, you know at some point, another love interest is going to pop up. Right? You know that Jack is going to do something that jeopardizes everything. And then is going to be saved at the brink with a huge gesture. Right? Just at the point where she's like, I don't care about you anymore. And then he does this one thing. And then it's just like, oh, I always loved you. I'm so glad. Let's be happy now. And you're like, oh. Like, can we not? Can we not just have it play out a little bit differently? Just a little bit. You know what I mean? Like there's this crazy scene at the end in the snow. Right? And the funny thing is, it's not early, early in the morning. And you see other people around. But when they do the aerial view, no footprints. Like there's just no other footprints in this snow. Not even from them. <laughs> You're just like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, what are you doing? You're manufacturing this so much. 
you've now just erased every evidence of even them being there. It's kind of insane. <laughs> but listen, if you are a Christmas and a love fan, then <sighs> I don't know, right? If you if you dug Holiday, right? If that was a great film for you, if you liked stuff like um oosh, I don't know Christmas Catch right um I don't know Love Guaranteed Yes, I feel Love Guaranteed is a, a definite um four player for this. I only watched a smidgen of it because it sickened me so much. But I would say, fans of Dash and Lily, you will love this, right? So if those things made your heart flutter, you know what I mean? If they made you smile unconditionally, which isn't a bad thing. People, I'm grumpy, okay? So, listen, if you like that stuff, it's all good. But just know, you will like this film, right? This film is made for you. So, it's on Netflix. You can go check it out at any time and enjoy. All right? So, there it is. Midnight at the Mongolia. Okay, people, so, new film, and, um, definitely an interesting one, right? And, uh, you know, the big question it asks, with the clock ticking, is life worth living? Make a choice, you or I, without decision, one will die. In the quest, some are left behind. This game will blow your mind. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that we are met with this. This is our our first visuals of um, yet yeah, the new film from uh, Sebastian Landry and Lawrence Maurice Lagace. Okay, and uh, yeah, the film is Game of Death, right? Uh, it's a horror thriller, okay? So it is um, written uh, by um, Edward, um, Edward H. Bond, right? And Philip Kalen Hadju. Um, I think they've adapted a story that um, Landry and uh, Maurice Lagos had kind of come up with, right? And the film, um, yeah, it's, well, it's executive produced by Benoit Boulou, Mathias Bernard, uh, Antonine... Dizel, uh, produced by Pierre Alexandra Bouchard, 
and um, Philip Kalen Haju. Cinematography is Simon Pierre Gingras. Um, yeah, they're the the main ones behind all the um, crazy. There's a lot of people handling the visual expects, which you would, uh, yeah, you kind of figure out, right? Music is from Julian Minwu. And our cast, well, we have Sam Earl as Tom, Victoria Diamond as Beth, um, Amelia Hellman as Ashley, Catherine Saint-Don as Marianne, uh, Nick Sarino as Kenny, Thomas Valiers as Matthew, and Erniel Biaz as Tyler. So the chism film is this, okay? Kill or be killed is the golden rule of the game of death, which sucks for seven decent-looking millennials who decide to play one sunny day. They quickly and gruesomely realize that if they don't murder people, their heads will literally explode. Hence, they go on a killing spree, taking the lives of anyone they meet in their middle of nowhere town. The killer instinct in each of them bubbles to the surface as the search for victims unravels into chaos. Will they turn on each other? That, people, that is the big question. Mm -mm -mm. And I, yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting one, right? So we open up, well, we got these kind of weird kind of 16-bit graphics, right? These computer-type graphics, and then we uh, kind of get into the film. And so, yeah, you've just got these young kids partying it up, you know, all at uh, some sort of, they're at someone's house, right? And they're all having, having fun, you know, just playing stupid games, oh, marry, death, kill, you know, shit like that, filming, like, we intercut with um, stupid videos that they're kind of filming, you know, the kind of shit that you see on all of those platforms right now, you know, um, Snapchat and the uh, Tiki Tok one and, yeah, all of that. So we, we're kind of interplaying with all of this and them just talking the shit. So uh, they call one of their other friends. Well, you kind of wonder, is it a friend or just their dealer? But you kind of get the feeling he's kind of the dude that they keep around because he's got that drug connect. But not sure if he's like, you know, a proper member of the crew, as it were. But uh, we, um, you know, a couple of them, I think it's like Ashley and Matthew, they're fooling around. And... Um, 
while he is, uh, well, she's sitting on Matthew's face, right? So while he's, you know, uh, licking the honeypot, as it were, she spies this game sitting on a shelf. And you kind of think, how the fuck is that game? Like, yeah, that's a big question, right? That no one seems to know. And no one asks. Because it's like, how is the game in this dude's yard anyway? Right? Because no one seems to know really what the game is. And someone had to get the game. But yeah, it's there. And uh, so this um, this game is there. And so they're like, all right, Leia, let's all play the game. Let's all play the game. So, um, yeah, you have to put your thumb on a on a skull, right? It is this hexagonal, I feel. I think that's the shape of it, hexagonal. And it's got these skulls at each kind of point. So they all put their thumb on a skull. And... Well, the weird thing is, right, they don't read the rules. <laughs> They're just like, oh, yeah, let's play the game. So they all put their thumb on the thing. Then it kind of pricks them, right? Pricks their fingers. And um, you're kind of, then the, this thing is like, start. And then they're hearing the game making this noise. It's like tick, 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 like a counter. Then they decide to read the rest of the game, where it says, basically, you have to kill the number of people shown on the counter. So it kind of does a little tally, like, bah, 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 and it gives you a number. So you have to kill that many people. Otherwise, the game will start to kill a contestant, supposedly a randomly picked contestant. That's the thing. Now, what you don't know, like, it doesn't tell you what the period of time is. You know, it's not like, oh, you've got a, you've got a day, you've got an hour, you've got, you don't, it doesn't actually say, it just says it's counting down. And yeah, and so, and the thing is, because the time seems to be different <laughs> there's no there doesn't seem to be a rhyme or reason for it throughout the film like at the beginning you kind of feel the time is very short but then there's other periods where it seems like it's possibly longer but uh yeah so there you know but as i said look they didn't read all the instructions so once they read the instructions they're not really taking it seriously. You know what I mean? They're all just like, eh, whatever, whatever. Until one of them gets killed. One of them dies straight. So, but then you have them all kind of like, ah, ah, there's a sniper, there's a sniper. Because it was outside. And you're just like, wait, what are you, what? They're, they're a bit dumb. But that's the whole point I kind of feel, right? It seems that this is what happens when a bunch of vapid, like, youngsters, I guess you'd say millennials. I mean, that's what it said in the blurb, right? Millennials. You know what I mean? What happens if you take a bunch 
and then they're thrust into a situation where it's life or death. How the fuck are they going to react? So, yeah, we, we see that. There's, we're not really given a whole lot on our, our character's character. You know what I mean? We, you just get kind of a touch on, but no one is kind of jumping out as like, oh, so they're the, that's the nice one. That's the loud one. That's the, no, they're all pretty much a whatever, whatever bunch. You know, no, there's no standouts. There's nothing has really been defined. So we, we, we have them now thrust into this situation. And it's like, what do you do? So you, you suddenly, then you start to see people kind of drawing that line. Like, yo, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. And it's just like, I'm not killing anyone. You know, oh, we, but I don't want to. And it's kind of weird. Is it's just like, I don't want to die. Or I'm not killing anyone. But then it's just like, well, you gotta choose one, right? Because you decided to play this ridiculous game. And there ain't many other choices. And they're all acting in this just ridiculous way, essentially. Because you have to feel that people... Like, you would have seen horrors or just not even your, like, crazy-ass horrors. But there's stuff like Black Mirror that give you certain scenarios. So, I kind of feel that nowadays there is a, a level of understanding in certain situations. But you always see people just acting weird, right? But we... We have these arseholes. That's the same. <laughs> they're all kind of arseholes. But they're in this kind of situation now of, oh, well, uh, how do we get out of this? What are we doing? So s shit goes down and they're like, oh, we got to get out of here. They've already called the police. So we now have them on the road fleeing. And this is where it kind of all really ramps up. Right? Because now what do they do? You know? So we start to see people uh, kind of divulge. You know what I mean? Split into these two distinct camps. Right? That's what we're getting here. It doesn't always make sense. You know what I mean? Because after everything that everyone's seeing, it doesn't necessarily make sense. Now, I kind of feel that there is some fun with the camera work. Like, we, we flip to first person at times which you go okay that gives us a you know an interesting outlook into what is what is happening here through a victim's eyes or something you know what I mean so that's kind of fun right but 
you do get this whole this whole point of because as i said look there's these two camps but when it comes down to it when it really boils down <laughs> what are you gonna do and that's what we see right that's what we see which is definitely a little it's a little interesting you know so we have that throughout the film they they intercut more of these like home videos that they've shot right which there's not really a rhyme or reason to it all but that's what happens you know and we throw in some extra people here and there um so it's okay right there's there's a sheriff who is a little bit loopy <laughs> ain't gonna lie a little bit loopy she does add a a fun element to the whole storyline and i kind of feel with this right it's not necessarily um her it, it, it it's not a profound film you know what i mean it, it's not gonna make you go whoa this was crazy or man they really touched on some important issues here it's not that you know what i mean it's definitely not that but i think it does kind of i think play on that you know whole thing that we we kind of see right now that like you you have these people draw these lines right and you've got people and be like oh that person's evil because they're doing that cancel that person or do this and then when the attention then shifts to you right everything you've said before kind of changes right it, it, your whole point of view changes and you're like oh hold on no 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 right and that's what we see on this level that you know no matter what these people say at the start right everyone's out for themselves you know what i mean everyone is out for themselves no one wants to die <laughs> and, and yeah that's that's what we um that's what we see you know like they're all trying to contend for things it i feel that if we had had some some things kind of really ironed out you know like um if they kind of said okay so the time period is this you know um you've got this amount of time before someone the next person dies that would have i think that would have added an extra kind of element to the to the thing yeah, because you would have understood, be like, oh, okay, right. 
So they've got to do this. And, you know, these are the parameters. There's everything is a little bit loose. You know, it, it, it's a bit like uh, it could go like this or it could go like that. You know, which does kind of you lose a little bit from this, you know, because it's all does it so whatever, whatever. So it, it's hard to really kind of be on anyone's side. I mean, that's that's one part of this you know, um, but it's, it's not a bad little kind of film that you, you watch when you just, you don't want to think, right, you're just like, eh, you know, let me just throw something on and see these odd bunch of weirdos <laughs> kind of deal with a situation, you know, because, yeah, that that's essentially what this is. Because as I said, look, no no characters really got any depth. Like it is a bit. I don't know where this story is actually going, but it's not too bad. You know, some of the deaths are like, wait, what? I don't think a car is going to do that to someone. Or like the whole head explosions. They do kind of seem a bit... I don't know. <laughs> but it is a little bit fun just seeing it all go down. So, uh, yeah. It is a goofy as hell. Right? It's goofy as hell. But it's... You know, it will pass the time, right? It will pass the time. I think you could think that it's a it's a distant cousin to Assassination Nation that came out, uh, say, a couple of years ago, right? I feel that was a couple of years ago. Or... There was a film in um, the early t early 2000s. I think it was like um, Contender, Contender number seven or something like that. It was like this t TV show where people had to um, kill each other. Right? And... Um, yeah, they, they had, but you had a day or something like that, you know what I mean, it was, it was kind of a, uh, a fun situation, right, and this kind of reminds me of that, you know, but, uh, yeah, not as defined, you know, not as interesting, but in this YouTube um, Instagram, TikTok world, it kind of works, right, so the film is out today, and we've got, there's a link in the information, so you can go grab it there, but it, it, it's on all your major platforms, you know what I mean, 
So uh, your iTunes, your um, Google Play, or whatever they're calling it nowadays, Amazon, you can find it there, okay? So uh, yeah, that is Game of Death, people. Don't mix it up with the Bruce Lee film, alright? So yeah, there you go, have fun. So for the last boy few months maybe a year there's been this talk of hillbilly elegy elegy eulogy eh, either way right that's been the big talk that it's gonna be a potential oscar nominee and you looked at the cast and it was like okay yeah this is a good cast and you know ron howard's directing it and you're like, okay, yeah, all right, I'll give this a shot. So, um, yeah, when it hit, yeah, I figured I would check it out. Okay, so, yep, Ron Howard's directing. Um, Brian Grazer, of course. Um, Howard and Karen Lunder produce it. Vanessa Taylor uh, wrote the screenplay. Uh, cinematography is Marcy Alberti. Um, music is Hans Zimmer and David Fleming. And um, yeah, the cast. <laughs> well, the cast is um, yeah, you've got Amy Adams who plays Bev Vance, uh, Glenn Close who I didn't even recognise. I didn't reckon, I kind of was looking at the woman, I'm thinking, I know her from somewhere, who the hell is that woman? It's Glenn motherfucking Close, son. You know what I mean? So Glenn Close plays Mamwa, I don't know, understand these stupid names for like grandmother, and, you know what I mean? Like Maymar, it's just Grand, Grand Vance, I'm going to say Grand Vance, there's it's ridiculous like these stupid names people it's a grandmum it's a granny or grandmother all right let's just let's just do that okay we're doing that so it's yeah her we have um <laughs> oh god damn it yes i know over the top probably probably but who cares you got Gabriel Basso, who plays J.D. Vance. Um, Frida Pinto, who again, I'm looking at and thinking, I know you. Who the hell are you? I know you. Yes, Frida Pinto plays his girlfriend, Usha. Uh, Haley Bennett plays his sister, Lindsay. Uh, we've got Bo Hopkins as <sighs> Papa, grand grandfather, granddad. Yeah, um, Owen as as a Lotos plays the young JD. Um, man, there's a, there's a few others. Who have we got? There's just so many people in this. That it's it's kind of crazy, but um, yeah, you know, it's uh, it's a good cast. <laughs> it's a good cast. Oh, you've got um a, a hunter James Evers plays an even younger JD. 
there's a yeah we jump a lot in time here you know it's just like you know floating around so uh yeah there's a there's a few different um you know portrayals of uh you know the characters who are floating around like uh tyranny smith plays a young bev vance um yeah, like Sonny Mabry plays a young grandmother. Brett Lorenzi plays a a younger grandfather. Um Yeah, I think we'll leave it there. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of people, you know? Um and essentially, right, the film is a, a modern exploration of the american dream through three generations of devances an appalachian family most notably focusing on jd vance's relationship with his troubled mother and her ongoing addiction to heroin along with the love and care of his supportive grandmother and it's you know it's an adaptation of a 2016 novel of the same name by yeah jd vance right and um man i gotta say it is crazy how going from all the talk and uh, you know what i mean the, the love people were pouring on this before it came out to the negativity, like the negativity that is all over the place right now, is crazy. I, 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 it baffles me. It really does. And I kind of figure that, like, we don't have to politicize everything. Like, it's insane. All right, you know what? The the film starts off, and um. Like we've got a bit of a voiceover, and we're we're seeing this the young um, JD, right? So we see him run out the house, jump on his bike, go to a lake, and he's like you know swimming. Some boys pick on him. <sighs> like his mum comes home, and she's just you know they're they're ready to leave to go back to um, Ohio right and um so they're just like where is he and they go to pick him up and these boys tried to drown him so you know the family come help him out yeah it, it's all of this right but we we get that kind of shot and it's kind of man i have to say you see him ride his bike and the camera pans up so we're looking down and it's like you know landscape wise it's kind of incredible you know what i mean all the time i was thinking though i'm like god damn what if a bear comes out of those woods or something like <laughs> you know what i mean like, what's gonna happen like what you know what i mean like how many people get eaten up here <laughs> now i don't know if there's bears there but fuck so it's like every time you see woods and shit, I'm just like, where are the killer animals, people? But listen, yes. So we, we see this. 
And um, yeah, the the film, you know, we see JD as a little kid, and then we jump forward, right? We jump forward, and he's at um, he's at university. He's at Yale, right? He's um, bringing food to his girlfriend in the library, and they're talking, and essentially. She's got a summer internship and he's applying for one as well so they can like be together during the summer. Um, and he's going for, you know, these different interviews and he's trying to, you know, get um, like funding because otherwise he can't afford it. So we're just like, you know, it, it's all of this stuff, right? he's working jobs and all of this so we're just seeing this hardship and you know all the things that people are gonna do and in between that we're we're jumping back in time right so the film is flip-flopping essentially between um i think it's 90 uh, and um 2011 right i believe that's the time period and so yeah we're just seeing different things right because when we first see everyone everyone seems fine right amy adams is bev you know she's got crazy hair and everything like that she looks she does look a little crazy right but you know she looks healthy. She looks attractive. It's Amy Adams. But you, you, like the kind of attractive where you're like, okay, I'm going to double rap. <laughs> I'm going to double rap because, you know what I mean? Yeah, you're kind of cute, but <laughs> that, 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 that's the kind of vibe that she's giving off here, people. <laughs> but everything kind of seems fine but you understand that you know they're not rich you know I mean? it's a uh hmm, what do they call it i mean it's a it's a tough it's a, it's a tough upbringing but it's wholesome right um but we we are then seeing different stages Right, because he, while JD's at school, he gets a phone call, like his mum's in the hospital from a drug overdose. So then, then we're seeing different flashbacks, right? We're, we're jumping into different periods and we're seeing this hardship. We're seeing these struggles, these arguments, like, you know what I mean? Like, they're painting Easter eggs, right? And everything is fine. But then, you know, JD smashes some eggs, right? And, and then it all kicks off. Uh, and so there's these flare-ups, but then it's just like, hey, I'll, I'll take you to buy some car trading cards. And they're dancing in the shop and they're doing these nice things. And then it flares up again. You know what I mean? Just like, look, we've seen all of this stuff before. You know what I mean? It, it's this isn't anything new, right? But you do have these 
like the performances are very like we've seen good performances here right so it's all very believable you know so the younger Lindsay and the younger JD you know they argue but they understand right you you you, you look after each other you help each other though you're trying to get the feeling that young JD he's a shit you know he's a shit Jesus Christ he, he's not as helpful as he could be you know what I mean? He, he's expecting everything and he's way too happy to be throwing a tantrum when shit don't go his way. Which is like, Jesus Christ. Oh my God. <laughs> so you're getting all of this, right? But, you know, the grandmother, Glenn Close, she's there. She's the rock. Right, she's the supportive, stable factor that helps out. And as the film goes on, we get more and more information, right? So then we kind of get flashbacks to, um, yeah, when Bev was a kid. So you then kind of see, oh, yeah, she had it rough. You know what I mean? Hurt people, hurt people, essentially. Right? That's what this is. It's hurt people, hurt people, hurt people. And when is the cycle gonna break? Right? That's what we're seeing here. And I think a lot of people are, they seem to be complaining about this. Right? That there's not any like it doesn't go deep I would say that the film doesn't essentially go deep and I think people were irritated that everything is kind of blamed on the people you know what I mean like oh you decided not to study right you decided to just drink and do drugs rather than to work hard you know, in, in, you decided just to let yourself get knocked up and have kids. and But, like, there's nothing on... Oh, well, industry left the town. So no one's got work. So then that bleeds into this. And, you know, the economic situation you know, means the education is bad and blah, blah, blah. And there's no talk of any of that. But, I mean... There's not a lot of that in a lot of films. <laughs> I mean, come on, people. Who are we Who are we trying to kid here? You know, most of the time, this kind of stuff gets uh, lapped up, right? Because people like to see the struggle. People like to see that someone was able to bait, break the cycle and, uh, yeah, survive, persevere and all of this. And I have to say, look, do I care about J.D. Vance? No, don't care about J.D. Vance. One little bit, right? <laughs> don't care. Like, nothing, the, you know, of what we saw was just like, I mean, 
I've seen the story a hundred times. Don't care. But what really did speak to me were the performances. Was um, Amy Adams believable as a you know a drug addicted mother who always you know was trying to do good but then would relapse and go a little crazy? Yes, she was. Like you saw the ups, you saw the downs. Like you know, she cut, she played it very well. Did Glenn Close play this hard bitten and bittered old gran who, you know what I mean, through anything was there for family? Yes, yes, she did. I think real props should go to Haley Bennett's Lindsay because I think that was one of the tougher roles, right? Because she has to play a worn down mother. But who you know, was always trying to help, right? You know what I mean? She was just like trying to convince JD just to look, don't fuck up your life, right? You gotta go back to uni. Like, don't waste your time here. And I can't do it all. But alright, I've got this. You go do that. You know what I mean? And she she played her role real well. You know, not not breaking down, not being too emotional, hysterical, but showing a lot of compassion in um, what she was doing. Right, that was great. I did think, like, possibly Frida Pinter's, you know, Usha, the girlfriend, I, that's not much of a role, right, to be honest. And I think... That's one of the things, as I said, look, the film isn't crazy deep. So there are no real, like, proper explanations on, like, the the childhood of Amy Adams. Like, we see one kind of sequence, but that's essentially it, right? So we don't really get that. We don't get a insight into why you know grandmother sticks it out in her abusive relationship like what changed there like we don't get that yo there's a lot of stuff that isn't covered you know all we all we get is oh it, it you know i mean the, he started at the bottom now he's here essentially you know that like the nuance isn't there, but the performances are powerful enough to lift this up, to elevate it. And yeah, look, if you want a film about politics and all of that, like you gotta watch shit. Like I don't want to say shit, not bad, because I really enjoyed it. But like the big short right, stuff like that, that's the stuff that will focus on that sort of thing, but these sort of films never do, so let's be honest here, people, they don't, right, and everyone laps them up, but I feel because, I I don't know, 
because I haven't looked into it fully. But supposedly, I feel J.D. Vance, everyone's saying he played a part in Trump getting elected in 2016. So I feel there's a stink on it, right? And yeah, people think it's, oh, this the film coming out now is going to be damaging to, to you know Biden Harris and but it's just like listen no one no one is watching a film for that right people are watching the film for the performances and like the story and as long as the story is p remotely passable they're fine but people aren't really looking for this hard hitting political message right if they are that's going to be in a different film you know that's going to be in something like the trial of the chicago seven <laughs> so i feel we need to be honest about these things you know what i mean and yeah this great performances you know i i think as i said they there could be more in like just the mindset of jd because he, yeah, he's a shit. And there's a sequence that sh suddenly everything changes. And it's just like, nothing is as clear cut as essentially you could say a lot of the things in the film are shown, right? The, these quick transformations of, oh, he was this and now he's this. And you know, all that kind of stuff is, you know, it's not as easy as that, right? He's essentially a bit of a dick. Actually, a lot of a dick to his girlfriend, you know, Usha. But, we, you know what I mean? It's just shown that she's just like, okay. Uh, like, do we believe that? Like, everyone's been in relationships. You understand that it, it's not as simple as that, right? But that's what it's shown. So you just have to go, okay, fine. I'll go with it. Because, yeah, we, like how many people are calling into action other films that do exactly the same thing, right? So, yeah, is Hill, Hillbilly Elegy perfect? No. <laughs> but there's not many films that are. Yo, do you really care about JD's struggles? No. No, you don't. Is, this, is the acting powerful as fuck? Yes. Yes, I would say it is. Like, we have great performances. And, yeah. That gives us a great... I mean, that gives us a good film, you know? It's not a great film. It is a good film, though. You know, the, the acting, the cinematography, you know what I mean? Like, just the, like, the makeup, the costumes. There's all of this kind of shenanigans. It, it does work. You do get a feel for, like, the times and the environment. So, listen, if it catches your views... It's on Netflix, man. It's a Netflix film. So it's there for life. So yeah. Listen, just go go watch it. Ignore all the bullshit and make your own decision. Right? Because it's 
probably not as bad as everyone's saying. You know what I mean? But only you can decide, people. So there you go. He'll be elegy. And if you like, basically, if you like Ron Howard films, this is a typical Ron Howard film. You understand? Okay. There you go. Enjoy, people. Okay, people. So, we draw to a close on another episode. Just a little bit of film news before we go. After all the speculation and, um, you know, Johnny Depp's departure, it has now been confirmed that Mads Mickelson will be um, taking on the role of Gellert Grindelwald. I feel that's how you say that name. The uh, dark wizard in the Fantastic Beasts movie. Um, hey, we're also going to be getting a, a Buddy Holly um, film uh, at some point soon. Yeah, it's going to be called Clear Lake, right? Um, and it's being directed by Bruce um, Beersford, right? So... Uh, yeah, basically, it's going to have Colin Hanks, uh, Diana Guerrera, Nelly, um, all playing. So, Nelly's going to be playing Chuck Berry. Um, Guerrero is playing Holly's wife. Um, and who... Rari O'Connor will be playing um, Buddy Holly, right? So, um, yeah, basically, you know, it was a crazy thing because you had right, Buddy Holly, Richie Valens, JP, the big bopper Richardson, all on a plane, and it crashed killing all that talent, you know what I mean, um, and the crash happened outside of a snowy uh, town called Clear Lake, so, huh, hence the title, people, so, um, yeah, we'll see what happens with that, how that all plays out, could very well be interesting, though, um, Neil Patrick Harris has signed on to this crazy ass new Nick Cage film, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent um yeah, it's got a, it's got a great cast you know, T Tiffany Haddish is in it um oh, I forget who else, but a load of other people <laughs> it's a good cast, people uh, Tom Gormican directs so, um, yeah, we will see how this goes. Um, now, this is uh, an odd one. So, Jeff Fowler, right, who um, just directed Sonic the Hedgehog, he's teaming with Chris Bremer to do a new Pink Panther film at MGM. Now, we, you know the cartoons, 
right? But then you've got the Peter Sellers, the Inspector Clouseau versions. Well, it seems this new iteration will be merging the two together. Yeah, that is right. It's about a detective um, who undergoes a traumatic event and begins hallucinating a cartoonish Pink Panther sidekick. Hmm. Could could work, you know? Who knows? Now this, I didn't know we were going to get any more, but it looks like they are still going to try with the Predator franchise. Uh, yeah, we're going to get another a fifth film. Um, and this time out, um, Dan Trachenberg is going to be uh, turning his hand to things. Patrick Ayerson is writing the script. Um, but that's it. Everything is a bit hush-hush. So, um, yeah, we know nothing else. So, I don't know. Let's see if they can get it right. Because the last two, they did not go down very well. So, uh, fingers crossed on that one. Uh, Some, ah, this is uh, good to know. So, we finally know when we get to see the Coming to America sequel. And people, that is March the 5th. So, um, yeah, it's going to be skipping a cinematic release and going straight to Amazon Prime. So, uh, yeah, make sure that uh, all your free trials and everything is set for uh, March, people. And, um, yeah, when Altered Carbon ended... Wondered what was going to happen with uh, old Anthony Mackie, but he's uh, still working with Netflix. This time he's going to be leading a film called um, The Ogun, Ogon, I think, I don't know, right? Uh, it's being um, written by Madison Turner, and the film is about. Uh, a guy called Xavier Rhodes as he brings his teenage daughter to Nigeria to find a cure for the rare genetic condition that he's passed on to her. When his daughter is kidnapped, Rhodes goes on a rampage through the criminal underworld to find her before it's too late, testing his powers to the limit. Hmm. Alright. We will see what happens with that. But people, yeah, that's us. We are done. So, uh, yeah, we will see you again next Thursday. All right. Bye, peace.